0: Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Welcome to Parenting Bites. We are here in the studio today with... Amy Oztan, selfishmom.com. She's back. I'm back. Are you still selfishmom.com? <laughs> I am still. I have to finish out all of my current contracts. Okay. Yeah. Soon Amy Summer. will have a new intro. Yeah. <laughs> we will not announce it yet. It'll be Amy Oztan. Oh. Or oh. Amy Oztan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're going to have to work on that. And Andrea Smith, technology guru, who just did a segment this morning with ABC, because she's such a technology guru. Such a guru. And
1: it's always when it's raining. So my hair, (laughs) I I leave with perfectly straight hair, honestly. And I come out of the subway, and it is like, boing, and I think, I need Rebecca's flat iron. (laughs) I don't live that far from ABC. I, you know, I should just <laughs> come and do, go to your house, flat iron my hair, and then walk I know. Why don't we W-ABC? have a flat iron
0: sponsor? Like, there must be someone who makes somebody. They don't do your somebody. hair and
1: makeup at ABC? No, 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 no. Um, and even, I have to tell you, and I love her dearly, um, Michelle, they don't do their makeup and hair. I mean, she has it down. Michelle really? Charlesworth? Yeah. She looks that gorgeous on her
0: own, ladies. I did not know that. Usually the New York stations have hair and makeup. That's weird.
1: Network people do, for sure. And
0: the local, local, I mean, the reporters are
1: just expected to, you know.
2: So, like, the anchors get it. Um, yes. The yeah, ang- because yeah. I know that yeah. whenever I go on local news, like we, you too, Rebecca, yeah. Like, yeah. We, we, we get done up. And yeah. We, yeah, and it's funny, like when I, I go on Fox, they do
1: my hair and makeup. But <laughs> when I go running into WABC, and I love them, and I love doing segments for them, but it's literally like, hold on, I got to go to the ladies' room, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> trying to scunch my hair so at least it looks curly as opposed to frizzy and put some <laughs> lipstick on. But they're so awesome. I love them. Well, that's But cool. yeah, Michelle looks
0: that gorgeous. On her own. Well, when the segment's up, we'll put a link to it. (laughs) Today on the show, we are going to talk about two things. First is grit. Um, We're actually talking about an article that was in Slate by Daniel Engber about um, Angela Duckworth's new book, Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. And we are talking about rules for your babysitter and social media, if your babysitter is... uh, Snap taking happy. some liberties with your <laughs> children <laughs> on social media which was written by a mom blogger a mom.me it was a really good article and then spurred a bazillion other articles of people who latched onto that as yes, they always do yeah. I know yeah. and then we'll have but a bite of the week too,
1: when I saw it I just scrolled it away thinking that's kind of cool something I didn't think about yeah well yeah. it was interesting
0: well because so many people wrote about it yeah. that I was trying to find the original mm. article that spurred that so we're going to reference the original article but Mashable wrote about it. everyone else jumped on the bandwagon
1: you're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy.
0: All right, let's jump right in. Actually, we're going to reverse what I said in the beginning. and We're going to talk about the babysitter and posting on social media first because um, this was really interesting. And I think we might have touched before on other parents posting pictures mm-hmm. of kids. Um, and a lot of schools have policies now that – or they I feel like they had them more in the beginning of Facebook where please yeah. don't post all where these they videos on Facebook. tried to
2: control it but the horse was out of the barn totally
0: and there'll always be the one parent he was like? I didn't want my kids' picture right. up on face, and then what are you all right. supposed to do? Because you're tr- basically showing a video of your child in a performance or in a whatever, and just and you there's can get nothing them all can to sign a disclaimer, right? <laughs> and you're not identifying any of them, but right. it's going to be class blah 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 blah, at school, whatever school, whatever, school, yeah. And what are you supposed to do? Never post anything because someone else's kid is in it. This gets very well, tricky. In the very
2: beginning, I wouldn't do videos for that reason. I would only do pictures, and I would actually go and blur out all of, all of the other are faces you serious? in the beginning. Beginning when people were super sensitive about it and then eventually it's just like
0: well I'm the only one bothering so I stopped but this is interesting because it was about a babysitter which never occurred to me when my daughters were little um, there was no Facebook yet and yeah. there was no certainly no Instagram there was no iPhone so there was no yeah, Instagram and there was not none of that stuff. when we shared pictures and I honestly was thinking about this the other day how annoying we must have been we would email people. <laughs> A huge amount of pictures all the time, whether they wanted them or not. My sisters still do that. Oh my my sisters still so email all of it. Maybe
2: it's for the the older relatives. I don't know, but they still do that.
0: Oh, my God. We would do that. And then when Shutterfly started, we would put them all up on Shutterfly yeah. and send oh, people Shutterfly. the link we to did Shutterfly. We album. But I, I, I actually think we were way more annoying doing that than if you just post on Facebook where people can see or don't see. But that was different then. I don't know how I would have felt if my babysitter... We're at the park with my kids and was all of a sudden posting pictures of my kids on her Instagram. Yeah. Um, That seems really weird to me. Well, especially
2: in the original article, this was a brand new babysitter who Mm -hmm. had like just walked into the house. The daughter started singing and the babysitter whipped out a camera, took a video and posted it before the mom like even really knew what was going on. And the mom was like, "Okay, thank you. We don't need you anymore. Like that's just completely (laughs) ridiculous. I I could totally
1: see if it was someone who's with you for a while, you know, and has a mm-hmm. relationship and is like, oh, my God, what you're doing is so cute and like letting because obviously people know what you do, you know, and saying, oh, this is the little girl I babysit for. Right. But someone you don't know walking in and, and taking that liberty, I think, is, yeah. is really kind of pushing the, the Yeah, envelope. that's definitely
2: a generational thing now, Like, I because to this babysitter, it just seemed totally normal. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong. Don't even need to ask for permission.
0: Yeah, what's so weird about it, I mean, I'm guessing the age, the babysitter is probably pretty young, mm-hmm. so they're used to sharing everything, and they don't have kids of their own, so it doesn't occur to them so that the you would share. So the privacy thing doesn't even kick in. It doesn't kick in. I mean, I should credit her. It's This article is by Meredith Gordon on mom.me, and it's called Five Rules for the Babysitter Who Posted a Video of My Kid on Facebook. and. So I think you have that. I think you have a generation that doesn't consider privacy at all. Mm-hmm. She said she and her husband posted pictures on Facebook and Instagram. So maybe the babysitter saw that. Maybe they were friends. So she's right. assuming, well, mm-hmm. you were already sharing pictures of your babysitter. So it's, I guess, one of those things also where it's the model and the example you're setting. But if if it's you on your page, you get to control who sees it. Exactly. So... so it is an interesting new thing that parents have to consider. You always had rules for a babysitter, right? You had your emergency phone numbers. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> what, what had, they were allowed to eat. What they were allowed to eat, what time bedtime mm-hmm. was, all those if kinds of things. If they could use their phone. Yes. You never had this to consider. And I do think it's worth considering oh, to yeah. have a discussion with your babysitter. So here's her rules. One was get permission. <laughs> sort of, hey, babysitter, hey, you have what permission. what do you think about this? Um, put your phone away. So this was her other point is, why is your phone out? If you're babysitting, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be on your phone. You shouldn't be checking your which phone. Which is
2: laughable because I mean, every babysitter that I see in my neighborhood is not only yeah. on a phone, but often they're wearing headphones around the little kids, which drives me crazy. Oh, that's. Yeah. So like they're not walking good. down the street and the kid's just kind of babbling to himself, and you can tell that there's music playing
0: loudly from the babysitter's headphones. It's funny. Do you feel the same way if you see a mom doing that? No. Isn't that funny? Like, because I think about that all the time. I used to see, you know, a lot of nannies in the Gap or something, like always shopping, or in Lomans during the day with these kids, and the kids looked miserable, and they were in strollers, and the nannies were just sort of schlepping them, and I mm-hmm. and I did have that judgment of like, you shouldn't be shopping. Yeah, you're
2: running your own errands on my time.
0: Right, and meanwhile. But when I have my kids at home, they totally have to right. shop with yeah. me. But I guess it felt different because I it's wasn't your kid. Paying. You're not paying them.
1: I used to. So I worked when Matt was little. I worked three days a week, and Monday and Friday were my home days. And so I went to the park with him, and I did all the things that the nanny did during the week. And it would make me crazy to see the nannies sitting on the bench in the park talking to each other. I mean, forget if there were phones. Then you know, I would probably go ballistic. But talking to each other, not watching, not caring. You know, not seeing who's hitting who or who's throwing sand at who. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I should tell the parent that this is going on. But then you see the parent and they're doing the same thing. So really, it's kind of a judgy thing. But at the same time, if I were paying someone to be my eyes and ears on my kid, that's what I want them to do. Mm. It's interesting
0: because then we have this discussion about kids being over monitored Mm -hmm. and over helicoptered which i could actually very much be a byproduct of having nannies and babysitters because they do feel a lot more responsible in some ways to like be on top of your kid and be responsible because you know accidents happen all the time and they're truly just accidents all happened to us my kid fell out of the sandbox and right but i guess you know i could see how if it's your job you feel extra worried and extra careful about that I don't know. It's like you can't really win if you're a nanny because you're being told you should be on top of the kid all the time. You're being paid to play with them. But at the same time, like, oh, my God, you don't want that someone on top of your kid all the time. No, that's. I,
2: I wrote an article ages and ages ago back when I was still going to playgrounds that was titled something like find the nanny who will sit on the bench because I actually was seeing um, – There were things on our local listserv where people would, like, advertise for a new nanny. I need one who isn't going to sit on the bench because, you know, I want them paying attention to my kid every minute. Like, that's what they would say. I'm like, no, that's not healthy. Like, let the kid go play with other kids. There's a difference
1: between paying attention and hovering and... Not letting them play by themselves. Yeah, but no.
2: What these parents were asking for was different. Yeah. Like they wanted, they wanted hoverers. Ugh, no. Like if they had to be at work, they, they wanted somebody else hovering. hovering. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so it's it's it is interesting because then you come back to the social media part. And if if your nanny or your babysitter is so used to sharing everything, and you're used to sharing everything, and hopefully your nanny or babysitter has sort of become part of your family in some way, if you have a real regular person. You can yeah. see how this line gets oh, yeah. blurred. over time. Oh, yeah. Sure. And why you have to set these rules. So it's an interesting thing for new parents to consider. I mean, she said, my kids should not be on un- here. These are her rules, right? You might have different rules. You might say, like, sure, you can share or send me the picture first or don't tag them. Right. Or don't tag them or don't tag me. Yeah. Um, right. Photos are just for you. And then respect our family's privacy, which is. Which is true. You don't want to post pictures of anyone's kids without their permission,
2: or of their house. I was
0: just or gonna house. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: yep.
0: funny because I remember um, so many moons ago when I worked for a billionaire and his family, and they had they had multiple nannies. <laughs>
2: I love your billionaire story. You <laughs> know,
0: Actually, I should have a separate podcast all about that. Um, but they had they had multiple nannies, and I was twenty six, and I did not know of this world at all. I didn't grow up with babysitters or nannies or anything, and. Oh, my God, how the nannies trashed. The nannies were the worst. (laughs) They trashed the other nannies (laughs) and the other houses. And I'm talking about, these are billionaires. They're not going to like, you know, they would all talk and compare (laughs) the houses, the food. You know, if this kid was this way and they would talk about, I mean, they were. So that is the other thing about this is social media in the lack of privacy it's just an extension, I think, of when mm-hmm. people are working for you in the most intimate way, which I think is caring for your children.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It is a fuzzy line all around. It's, they're in your home; they're definitely going to hear and see things. Mm-hmm. You probably need a whole set of rules that aren't just about social media. <laughs>
1: you need a whole NDA contract. It's like yeah. it's like you all do. of the uh, you know celebrity nannies are all under contract not to. Well, first, don't sleep yes. with my husband, please. And second of all, you know, about what they can't say about right when you on leave, in your home. Right. I, yeah. I never signed
0: one of those, by the way. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but it, is, it was very eye-opening to me. And I could see how social media now would totally exacerbate that. Yeah. You can't control someone taking pictures. And you should have these rules with your babysitter or nanny. And probably also, like... With your own parents, with grandparents, like with it, you should kind of let people know what your rules are about just randomly posting pictures yeah. of My your kids. My mom still has a flip phone. I think we're
2: safe. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. I don't, I, I don't think she knows how to get online. It's true. I mean, the same way we used to
1: have emergency. Like I, when Matt was young, you know, if I went out to a restaurant, I had to call the restaurant, get the phone number, give it to the babysitter to right. say if you have an emergency, and I'll mm-hmm. never forget. Coming home, and Matt was hysterical, and the babysitter was like, "We tried, we couldn't reach you. You weren't there." And I said, "What do you mean? I, you know, it was exactly where I said." And they said, "Oh, well, you know," Matt said, "Matt said to say that you wear glasses or something like that. Something I can't even remember." And I didn't have my glasses on, oh, so, they so they couldn't when, the, find when you? the manager in the restaurant was looking for a woman with glasses, <laughs> and I'm thinking, you listened to a two year old, right? <laughs> Give them a name, ask them to scream. Is Andrea Smith here? All right. So. I think about today, the cell phone, you get a text from the babysitter. Yeah, It's just different. But so we used to post all that stuff. So really, I think, make it appropriate. Really right. share what your thoughts are. And make on it a
0: conversation up front. Like, don't wait for it to happen yeah. and then have to reprimand yeah. them or fire them. I think to me, that's a real innocent mistake. Yeah, That if you're already oh, yeah. sharing everything and you think this kid your baby's babysitting for is so adorable, you want to share it. That, to me, seems completely innocent and innocuous and just worthy of a conversation not being fired.
2: Yeah, and then if they do it again after you've told them not to,
0: that's a different thing. Right. right?
2: Then they'll say, oh, my bad.
0: All Right. All right. We will be right back to talk about grit. (laughs) Because now that you've hovered over your child, they have no grit. We'll be right back to talk about that.
2: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment and more. Play it at play.it.
0: All right, so we are back with our second topic, is grit really the key to success? This was an article by Daniel Engber in Slate in response to Angela Duckworth's like runaway crazy book hit, Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance, which she also had like a TED Talk. And it's kind of funny because this conversation has been going on for I think I felt like a year or two at least about grit. And it turns out it was sort of based on her TED Talk, which came before this book was coming out. So all these other people started writing books before, she, book was about, before she get her book out. So she didn't obviously have enough grit to get her book done before everyone else. <laughs> or enough speed. Right. She was too busy giving TED Talks and winning MacArthur Genius yeah. Fellows. But um it's really interesting because I do think, and we talked about this a little when we talked about the alcohol study that and we talked about John Oliver, that people take these small sample studies and then blow it up into a whole new meme, I guess, and like way of being. And it inevitably gets applied to parenting in some way. Someone's going to figure out that we're just raising our children all wrong. Now they don't have grit um but he talks about i mean there are school systems adopting this and yeah, they're that's, somehow going to be a little, a little weird they're going to be graded on it which seems it seems like a very intangible thing and so one of the things the article talks about is she's tried to make it tangible mm-hmm. so she has these breakdown studies, which are all self-reported. So that's self-reported always interesting, too. And
2: small and... Teeny, well, teeny the, tiny. the article goes into very well why the studies are not really
0: representative. Right. Because yeah. she's starting with cohorts that are all very similar in yeah. a different way. So she has, like, 150 kids at UPenn. So already their SAT scores are 350 points higher than the average. Yeah. So you so IQ is already discounted. Um, the same with the West Point Students who she talks about, you know, she talks about how the ones who make it through this crazy seven-week period of, like, 17 days of school and physical... 17 hours, 17 hours, a, day 17 hours with, a day for seven weeks. Yeah, like, that wow. it's crazy and whatever. And then, of course, the kids who, like, make it through that, you can tell beforehand who's going to make it through it. But he was saying that the graduation rate doesn't correlate...
2: Yeah, to who makes right. it? Do they that? actually make it all
0: the way through? Yeah, so grit,
2: yeah. grit is able to it ha, her little grit score, which is from one to five, is able to predict who will make it through that seven those seven hellish weeks but then has nothing to do with who will drop out after that. And right. they said actually um there was a uh, the people who scored really well often dropped out like right after. Like there was a huge failure rate right after the 7 weeks were done. Right.
0: And that the initial assessment that the school does which takes into consideration your high school grades, your SATs. attendance, your SATs, all of those things was a better predictor of
2: graduation. Of graduation, not of who would make it through the first 7 weeks. Right. Yeah. It was
0: really interesting. And you have to think, so this is what I was thinking in my head, is that kids who choose West Point and have the grades and the ability to get into West Point are already. are already driven. You are so driven. Yeah. You have, you're, that is and you very background. specific. You may have yes. family Fam, background, yep. a family history of service. Yes. Yeah. It is a very specific choice. Mm -hmm. That is not, you know, I'm choosing West Point or Wesleyan because like (laughs) party school, (laughs) right? Like that's you have decided something very particular for yourself. So it seems weird that she did these studies in places where you had a very particular cohort already going in that probably all have grit. Same with kids who get into Penn. Very few of them, I'm sure, had like C grades but got perfect SATs. It's usually a combination of both. So what's interesting about this is he doesn't like this pressure around grit as an idea that somehow it can overcome all these other obstacles Mm -hmm. that are put in place for kids, right? So it starts almost, it's not that it's victim blaming, but when you have kids with like very little resources and a crappy school system and a bad home situation to say that like all they need is grit, Mm -hmm. Is you know sort of harkens back to this very libertarian idea that you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and if he can do it, you can do it. Um, and it's it can be very detrimental when it's supposed to be very positive, right? It's supposed to be telling kids you don't just need natural ability, right? Malcolm Gladwell had his Ten Thousand Hours mm-hmm. and Outliers, and like there's just love. Everyone loves this story that you don't need natural talent; you just need to work your butt off. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, I, but that you know, goes hand
1: in hand with being driven, I think. If, you know, you have to be driven to work your butt off. You yes. have to know you want something. And, you know, we're calling it grit now, but, you know, 20, 30 years ago it was moxie. You had moxie, <laughs> right? <Hitspa>. Yeah, <laughs>
0: exactly. Um, or willpower. You know, yeah. he was saying and it was also about willpower. Um, you know, and they had the famous marshmallow experiment where the kids yeah. were like, great, the marshmallow right away. And those who waited. And even that experiment has been called into question. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I have two kids:
2: one with grit coming out of his ears, and one who could definitely use an infusion of grit. And I think that with my daughter, who who is not all that gritty, um, there are definitely certain skills that I've tried to teach her, and they go into that a little bit in the article. Like you can't. Grow necessarily grit. grow grit but you can give somebody better study habits better time management habits things that can help them overcome and look we see it all the time in our industry you know the, the people who are the most successful are not necessarily the most talented there are some incredibly talented people who you know are going to be great no matter what they do but there are others they're not the best but they really work at it so hard that they rise to the, po- the, to the top so I think it depends on what you're trying to do. You know, in all industries, that wouldn't be the case. In something like blogging, that is the case. If you just stick to it for 10 years and don't give up and work hardest, you will be successful. And that's kind of sad. <laughs> like, you don't necessarily have to have talent.
0: You will be successful to a degree, right? So I do think, and my grandmother always said, like, cream rises to the cr- top. That yeah. like one of her favorite expressions. Um, I do think that there is something about talent that can take you. So, I, I, I mean, even when I was growing up, my, we used to go to the symphony with my dad. It was like, what was the difference between the guy who was the first violin at the New York Philharmonic, mm-hmm. right, You and Itzhak Perlman? Like, he's never going to be Itzhak Perlman, right? So, when you look at that, they're both putting in 10,000 hours. Right. They're both working. And you he is at the pinnacle of this. And they have passion. And they have passion. And they have both excelled to the top. But what makes someone... The gold medal athlete and well, someone, the you know qualifying for the Olympics, but you're not going to be Michael Phelps. See, it's so. Perlman
2: has the talent and the grit. Right, you know, those are going to be the absolute tip-top superstars. But then all the people at the level under that, I feel like you can get there with hard work.
0: But you can get there covered hard work and still have, to have the talent. talent. You need yeah. right. You still had both, but you didn't have that. There's always like that one extra extra yeah. thing that makes someone truly a Michael Jordan, yeah. right? Everyone who makes it to right. the NBA well, is. Well, you can't study I think those That's people. also There's like so few. somebody right. noticing,
1: somebody actually noticing them, and and you know them yes. being in the right place in the right right. Time. Luck, yeah. luck is a big. Exactly. They talk about that. No luck. one likes to talk about luck, exactly. And that yeah. has a lot to do with it, I think. But you know, I do a lot of interviews. I write twice a month for a uh, tech hiring site, and I do a lot of interviews with CEOs and CTOs and people who've gotten funding and. Ahead um, of companies, and when I ask them, what is the one thing you look for in a prospective employee? What's the one thing you want to see? And they always say to me, they can have all the C++ coding experience in the world, that's great. I want someone who has passion, mm-hmm. passion for what we do, who's driven, who can look at me and say, you know, I don't think you're doing this the right way. I want to suggest something and someone who's flexible, who can just turn on a dime and refocus. And so it's always interesting to me to see you can have all of these um, taught skills. You know, you can go to school, you can get an MBA, you can get it, you know, any kind of degree, but you still have to have that. I don't know if it's grit, moxie, drive, determination, what, but you have to have that. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. And I I will say to her credit, to Angela Duckworth's credit, she does not like that all of a sudden this being applied Mm -hmm. into public schools. She does not think this is something that can just be measured and taught in that way, that it's a slow you know, systemic thing that needs to happen where you're basically just teaching kids not to give up Mm -hmm. (laughs) and to persevere and to sort of figure out what it is they're passionate about and then really stick to it to be able to see that long term. And then what you just said, Andrea, which is flexibility. Like she talks Mm -hmm. a lot about flow, about being able to be flexible, that that is part of grit. It's not just like stubbornly sticking with Mm -hmm. something that might be wrong (laughs) and she
2: actually mentions that if if you push kids to do that they might not discover their real passion right
0: so Mm -hmm. like standardized testing and teaching kids how to get through hours and hours of test prep is not grit no right it's not it's something but it ain't grit and i always felt that way it's painful and i always (laughs) and because it's not teaching them to like first of all find what's really interesting to them it's not teaching them to be creative thinkers. It's really just teaching very them how much to take, a test. take a test. And I can't tell you the how much money I spent on trying to teach my son how to take
2: tests. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. Right. I mean, that's well, the entire thing. Some people have it. Some people yeah. don't. Yeah. you know, It's definitely like a something you're born with, I think. You I can, think and so you, you can learn to do mm-hmm. better. But some people are just great at taking tests. Right. I'm awesome at taking tests. I am too. It has had no positive effect on my life as a whole.
0: Right. And so it is an interesting interesting thing, too, because, you know, this idea of grit, I think, also changes as a kid gets older. I think it's natural for kids to try things and then lose interest. Mm -hmm. And then I think the problem with when you have all these conversations about grit is that people confuse it with, like, never giving up or failure or whatever. You know what I mean? When grit is supposed to be about, like failing and learning from it and moving on and whatever it is mm-hmm. and they, they just all distill it into mm-hmm. the marshmallow test mm-hmm. <laughs> you
2: know i feel like my grit is very malleable like i i rise to the occasion and no more <laughs> and when i don't <laughs> when i don't need the grit i kind of put it away and just kind of coast you know and i save the grit up for when i really need it
0: but that's what he talks about you should how you should do right that's what he talks about in this article is that that's how you should be doing it you mm. should be like Kind of gritty when you need it mm-hmm. to get through things. So that's how people live their lives. And then you should be able to like have a week of just having conversations yeah. with people mm-hmm. and chilling out. And like your whole life shouldn't be about like grit, yeah. grit, grit. Um, and I also think sometimes grit becomes synonymous with making money, making money. Oh, yeah. You know, and that kind of tangible success. And like that's not where I don't think that's what she meant either. Mm-hmm. Like she was talking about that s- sort of stick to itiveness. Mm-hmm plus flexibility mm-hmm. is what she was talking about more and i which think it's been sense. warped yeah yeah
2: well i scored terribly on her test did you guys take the <laughs> no, test we definitely put a link to the test we'll put a link to it. the test it's just eight questions you score yourself and if you're honest then you'll you'll get i think i did a 2.85 out of 5 and which is not that's not like average that's bad um, but was like baking bread a question? No, see, no, <laughs> that's, that's not. The, there was not a single baking question. It was or how about, so unfair.
0: How about a parenting question? Because if anything requires grit in life, it's it is parenting. You are so right. And it is that to me is the ultimate measure. I mean, how you do it, under circumstances where you have to constantly be challenged your assumptions are challenged all you the time. You can't quit. You can't quit.
2: But it's not just having grit as a parent. It's knowing when to completely back off and not use your yeah. grit and just step away. But th- I, I feel that like that's a lot of people... That takes, yeah. part, grit. Right?
0: that takes flexibility of thinking. The flexibility, yeah. yeah, And going with the flow and learning stuff about yourself you didn't know or want to know. Mm-hmm. You know, all that kind of stuff. You're, and, and there are people who quit, right? There are people who can't handle being a parent. Um, there are you know, a lot of let say men who walk out on that <laughs> obligation. Um, so it's, it's, but so it's, it's not so much I, then like
2: the ability to have that drive all the time. I think it's it's more the ability not to fall apart. Yes, you know to keep going when when things are tough. I think that's more important.
0: Yeah, I think that's more important. And I kind of think kids learn those lessons all the time. Yeah, because they're kids and they have so little control over their lives that they probably learn grit more than you think just by being a kid.
2: But also, just watching my own kids, I really don't think you can you can change it that much because i've been you know my kids have been a little case study for a decade now and yeah like they were born that way like from the time they were crawling
0: oh i saw those traits and i say my kids are the same as they were two weeks old they're exactly the same so true (laughs) so exactly who they are um so so much for nurture (laughs) It's it's all nature good luck to you all right we'll be right back with our bites of the week
2: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Bites of the Week. Who's first? He's going first. I can go first. (laughs) Um, So, uh, Girls Who Code, an organization I think we probably all love, um, they put out this this satirical video. you know, the the stats about girls in coding are just terrible. Like, uh, 74% of girls in middle school show an interest in coding, but then only one in five girls in college actually um, – or, I'm sorry, only one in five computer science majors are women in college. So there's – something happens between middle school and college that just really discourages women from going into coding. All those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know, and and the stereotypes and everything, and so I'm all about getting the point across with humor and especially sarcasm. And so this video has young girls talking about why they can't code and why they're not good at coding, like you and know, it's hilarious. My my cleavage gets in the way, stuff like that. So <laughs> we'll, we'll post the video on our website. That's it's, awesome. It's hilarious. I met
0: with them last summer, Girls Who Code, um, in Seattle at Microsoft. Microsoft hosts a Ooh. summer intensive Girls wow. Who Code workshop. And um, what was amazing about it was all the girls were sophomores, I think. Um, they were all so depressed to go back mm. to their schools. Aww. They either didn't have computer science at all in their schools, or they knew they'd be one of like two girls. Because um, it wasn't, it's intimidating. Because it's not mandatory for everyone. Yeah. And that's yeah. what they're trying to change is if you make computer science mandatory, then everyone's just taking it. It's mm-hmm. no longer the selective that's self-selecting. But they were, I mean, seriously depressed. They was, were with their people. They were with their people, and they were so freaking jazzed about what they were doing. It was amazing. All right, Andrea. So I had a bite all picked out, but I'm going to have to
1: save it for next week. <gasps> oh. <laughs> so I had this really interesting experience. Um, we are selling our house. And it's so surreal, I can't I still can't believe it's happening. But but it's happening. And we had an open house uh, where basically your house has to be perfect and people you don't know come trumping through your house and talk about it and
2: if they're like me, they apart, open the fridge, open Open all the everything, cabinets. you know,
1: and it's just horrible. It's horrible. And of course you've gotta get out of the house. And I had to put my cats in a cage for three hours. But so that's another story. But so so you have to get out of the house. So my husband and I went out to lunch, and we're kind of going, hmm, okay, this this should be interesting. I wonder what people think. And I'm going to get in so much trouble for this, but all of a sudden, my phone starts going ding, 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 and of course, I have a security camera on my front porch. <laughs> so it keeps telling me, Arlo detected motion. Arlo detected motion. Arlo is the name of the camera on the front porch. So I looked at it and I was like, oh, check it out. We can see who's coming. <laughs> so, And I hate using it when I'm not on Wi-Fi because it does you know, right. chew up data. And so we're sitting there in the coffee shop. Every time someone walked through my front door, I hit the email notification and got a picture. And then I found out my camera on my back porch, which I have because I'm testing them and I write about them. Uh, it's a Canary camera. And I love this because as each person went out through my French doors onto my back screened-in porch to see my garden, I could hear them say, oh, this is gorgeous. <laughs> and so my you, husband need to and you need a microphone. You so, need a microphone and be like, yes, so it is. The, the canary camera picked up voice. And, of course, the birds are chirping. And I'm going, be quiet, birds. Be quiet. The cats are meowing. And they're going, hi, kitties!" So we could hear a little bit. Um So I didn't want to tell the realtor I had this, of course, because, you know, I didn't want to make her feel like we were spying on her. But it was just (laughs) so nice to be able to see people's reactions. And also just God forbid something happened. I really do have a record of who came in my house. So, you know, security cameras are great for watching your nanny, watching your kids, watching your animals. They're also great when you're having an open house. That's great. There were none in the house. so I couldn't see people going through my house. And I think it's better because I really was getting a little obsessive. My husband finally said, you need to put that away. But I was literally going from the front camera to the back, from the front to the back, uh, checking people out. So the Canary camera I I like a lot because it's got voice as well, and you can kind of pan around the room. Arlo's great because it's an outdoor camera, and it physically lives outside on my porch. So there you go. We'll link to both of them. I
0: I can't see pictures of the people coming in my house. No, we won't post that. (laughs) No. No. Um, so I have a new podcast. Woohoo. Um, that's totally not for children. So you it's have just Have a new podcast me. or you've been no, no, listening to. Listening you. to. Oh. you know, not like, me. Like, Rebecca's no. leaving. It's oh. like a total Michael and Kelly situation no, right there. <laughs> I'm <laughs> thinking <laughs> what? I'm leaving. Um, no, so of course, you know, I always have like a new podcast to listen to. So I've I really been in a rut. I've been listening to the same podcast. I'm like over it. I'm over Mark Marin. I'm over I just can't. I unless it's someone good, I'm like deleting them all the time. So a friend of mine recommended Two Dope Queens, <gasps> which I heard about that. Oh, my it is so excellent. It is so so excellent. It's Jessica Williams and Phoebe. Now I can't remember Phoebe's last name, but Jessica Williams and Phoebe something. Um, Jessica Williams from the Daily, from the show. Daily yes. show. I love She's her. You you can't even imagine how funny this is. So they do. I guess they do a live show every week for WNYC, oh. and so they it's other comedians too, but it's taped live. So it's the two of them doing sort of opening banter monologues, and then they bring up sort of their favorite new comedians, who are comedians you've pretty much never heard of, who are. like not totally consistently good but good enough Uh um and certainly like trying to work out the material there and sometimes super super funny they the two of them are so freaking delightful and smart and funny to listen to it's like you're getting to listen to the best conversation between two smart uh millennials but i mean really funny like crazy. You are laughing out loud on the subway. You're a crazy person. I've me. seen That's so fun. many people talking
2: about that. It is I need to start so
0: resume. good. They had a live show last week and I didn't know about it. I totally would have gone. Uh, I was so upset. We need to get them to come talk to us. Well, they're too young. They're oh. talking about no parenting experience. They're like 26 no. and 30. Here's, here's,
2: here's <laughs> a bonus bite for today. Um, I have a Chrome extension that changes millennial to snake people. <laughs> <laughs> Which just makes me laugh every single time I
0: see it on my oh computer. My um, so, anyway, I highly suggest Two Dope Queens for you and your older teenager, not for younger, <laughs> because it can get pretty raunchy in um, body. And then my other bite, which is completely not for kids, even your teenager, your teenager should not watch it with you. I'm sure they'll go watch it, but certainly not with you, um, is Ali Wong's stand up special on Netflix, Baby Cobra. Oh my God, you have to all watch it. Okay, <laughs> she okay. is. So freaking hilarious. She's seven months pregnant (laughs) in her stand-up special. (laughs) So she's got a belly out to here. And she is one of the writers on Fresh Off the Boat. Uh. She is so smart and super funny. And I highly recommend it, especially if your husband is out. Um, although your husband could enjoy it too, but probably not to the same extent. So what I'm <laughs> about you, Rebecca? Is that because I don't watch I don't, a lot of TV? I don't TV, recommend anything <laughs> for parenting.
1: <laughs> and it's, you always like you're always the one who knows the new
0: show. You've yeah. seen it,
1: you've watched it, you've it's checked true. it out. Have a good yeah. recommendation because I'm so stuck
0: in a rut. I mean, literally, we watch. Oh, I'm the a Voice. pop culture banana. Oh, uh, you could Outlander. I could have another bite. <laughs>
2: <laughs> see, by the time out, we're catching we've watched, up on Outlander, by the time we've watched like the twelve political shows that we watch, like there's no time left. See, in the I'm day. done.
0: I can't watch them anymore. I'm burned out. I cannot look at Donald Trump. I don't want to hear about Donald Trump. I don't want to see Donald Trump. I'm disgusted at how much airtime they give him on every one of those shows, yeah. whether it's MSNBC, mm-hmm. John Oliver. I'm done. I'm over it. Except for Samantha Bee, I don't care.
2: No, still watch John Oliver. I he's can't been watch funny. John Oliver no, anymore either. Hilarious. I think
0: his show needs to shake it up his format. But anyway, that's my recommendation. You have to watch Ali Wong's stand up special on Netflix. All right, and. Well, two Two Dope Queens and download (laughs) Two Dope Queens. It'll just make you laugh and it's awesome. All right. That is it for today. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Parenting Bites on our own website at ParentingBytes.com. We will have links to everything we talked about today. And. Then some because oh, yeah. I think we just keep throwing things out we'll have Andrew's segment when it's up um, you can find us on Twitter at hashtag parentingbytes and of course on iTunes parenting bites rate us review us subscribe we got a bunch so of new reviews important. it was yeah. great so keep oh, keep doing excellent. that rate, review, share it and on play.it where you can find parenting bites and all the CBS podcasts talk to you next week